to us today through your living word. Inspire us, challenge us, encourage us, assure us, renew us, O God, by your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you can be seated. I read a story about a journalist named uh, Amanda Linhut. In 2008, she was kidnapped while she was in Somalia, war-torn Somalia. She went there for reporting, and, and she was kidnapped, and her captors set a price for her release at $1 million. And her family and her friends did not have a million dollars. They gave what little they could, but they couldn't get close to a million dollars. So she was in captivity for 15 months, and during that time, she says that she suffered torture, and she was in chains. Literally, her ankles were bound in chains for 15 months. And then she received word, a word that she never thought she would hear, and it was, you are free. The ransom has been paid. Somebody, a stranger, gave $750,000 to set her free. And this man who paid her ransom, he, he wished to remain anonymous. But then just recently, at a, an award ceremony, a humanitarian award ceremony, uh, Amanda Linhut stood and um, received an award, and then she pointed out the man who had paid her ransom, who was in the crowd. His name is Alan Markin. He's a businessman, a philanthropist. He's, I think he owns or is a co-owner of a hockey team in Canada. And at the ceremony, she turned to him and she said, and she looked to him and his wife, and she said, Alan Markin is here today, and if it wasn't for him, I would not be alive. And she said, thank you, expressed her gratitude. And the report said she was crying, Alan Markin was crying, everybody in the room had tears in their eyes. But he had paid her ransom. She did not have the resources to do this. She did not have the connections to make this happen. It had to come from outside, and he paid it. And because the ransom was paid, she was set free and given another chance at life. Her life was saved. In our gospel reading, Jesus makes a statement that I think takes us right to the heart of his mission. If you want to know what the mission of Jesus is, if you want to share this with somebody else, Mark 10.45 is a great place to go. Because there Jesus says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. Because Jesus paid the ransom, we are free. Because Jesus paid the ransom, we have life. We have life eternal, because of what he paid. I want to drill down on this verse this morning, Mark 10, 45. I think it's so important for us to understand and to be able to articulate to other people. So let's look at what Jesus is saying here. Jesus, he uses a title. This is his favorite title for himself, the Son of Man. This is a title that comes from the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, there's a prophecy there that Someone like the Son of Man is going to come. God is going to send someone like the Son of Man, or he's appointed as the Son of Man. And this Son of Man is going to be a kingly ruler. 
And he is deserving, it says in Mark 7, that people from every tribe and every language worship him and honor him and serve him. And it says in Daniel 7 that his kingdom will never pass away. The kingdom of the Son of Man is this universal kingdom, an eternal kingdom that will never pass away. So when Jesus uses that title, Son of Man, he's claiming that he is this appointed one, God's king, the one who is worthy of worship and service and honor from all people, and that his kingdom is going to endure forever. High status, the highest status, son of man. And yet he says, even that person, the son of man, came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the king who's going to give his life to set prisoners free. Now that, that comes out very clear in the context here that when, when, when Jesus is talking about giving his life, he is talking about his passion and his death. Because earlier in this chapter, Jesus tells his disciples, and this is verse 33, he predicts his passion and his death. He says, see, we're going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days... He will rise. And then Jesus says that he's come to pay the ransom. So that's how the ransom is going to be paid. Um, This is what Jesus is is predicting as he heads into Jerusalem now for the last time. He's on the threshold of his passion, and he is on a mission to pay this ransom. I want to talk to you a little bit about the background of this word ransom. In the ancient world, this word was used... Um, to describe the price that was paid to free a slave. A ransom payment could free a slave. In the Old Testament, ransom was used to describe a number of transactions, the redemptive transactions. For example, if you had property in your family that had been lost to debt, um, you could redeem that property, and that was called a ransom payment, and that could come back into your family. If you owned a, a, a dangerous ox or bull, and it was notorious for being a dangerous animal, and it got loose and it killed someone, then a price needed to be paid, life for life. But you could pay a ransom. You could either pay with your life, or you could pay a ransom, and your life would be saved. So the term ransom was used in the Old Testament for paying to save somebody's life or your own life, a ransom payment. But the key idea is that the ransom redeemed and the ransom payment was costly. It came at a great cost, a great price. And so the point is, Jesus' Jesus's passion and his death, his death on the cross, is the payment. It is the divine payment, the costly payment, to pay the penalty for our sin and to give us life. We read... Um, from Isaiah 53, this great prophecy made 800 years or so before Christ of one who would come and who is the suffering servant of God. God is going to, because of his great mercy and love, God is going to send the servant into the world. 
And Jesus is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He willingly, voluntarily laid down his life. But it's clear in this passage of Scripture from Isaiah 53 that he suffered for the sake of others. All we like sheep have gone astray. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We are like the sheep that have gone astray. But he is the pure, spotless lamb who gave his life for us. By the way, these suffering servant songs in Isaiah 53 not only promise the forgiveness of sins for individuals, but it's set within the context of the renewal of Israel. This is going to affect the renewal of Israel. This is going to lead to the renewal of the nation of Israel. This is going to turn the nation back to God, and it's going to turn other nations back to God so that Israel can fulfill its divine mission to be a light to the world. And in fact, it's going to lead to the renewal of all of God's creation. So the suffering servant is at the focal point of God's plan of redemption. Not just for individuals, but for the renewal of the world. Now, some people will ask, how is it possible that Jesus' death 2,000 years ago paid a ransom for me here and now? How is it possible that the death of one man can pay for the sins of many? And that's, that's a question that you know, theologians have been wrestling with for many centuries. There is a mystery here that we're not going to be able to solve. But I found some answers that I think are helpful. I want to share them with you. It doesn't answer all the questions, but I think this approach is scriptural and, and it's also helpful just to think about this in a reasonable way. The starting point of this to answer that question, how does the death of one man pay for the sins of many? The starting point is that Jesus is no ordinary man. Jesus is not just any person. He is fully divine and fully human. He is the God-man. He is uniquely the God-man, fully divine and fully human. Our sin against God puts us in a, in a position of debt, if you will, debt that we cannot pay towards, pay off. We cannot pay this to God. We, we have not loved God enough. We have not honored him. We've turned from him, as Isaiah 53 says. We've gone astray like lost sheep. And because of God's character as a holy and righteous and, ju- and, and just king, he cannot overlook this sin and this rebellion. It, it would not be true to his character. It would not be in accordance with his dignity to overlook this. And, and so something has to be done. But it has to be in accordance with who he is, his holy and righteous character. I remember one time, uh, Josie and I were at a park and. There was a child there playing with, with her mom and uh, playing at the, at the playground. And, and after she had got done playing with her mom, the little girl, and I guess she was maybe in third grade, somewhere in there, uh, she went up to her mom and said, Mom, after this, can we go have some ice cream? And mom said, we're not going to be able to do this. Not, not today. We're not going to get ice cream today. At that, the little girl started screaming at her mom and went up to her and literally kicked her mom in the shins. And Josie said, oh, if that was my daughter. You know. 
let me talk to her. You know, poor mom. You know, we don't know all the, the dynamics of what was going on there. But, you know, when you see something like that, there's something in all of us that says, that is wrong. <laughs> Children should honor their parents. This is a mother who is, as all mothers do, sacrificed so much for this little girl. And, and, and that sort of an offense should not be overlooked. It's got to be dealt with. Okay? We see that in the relationship between child and parent. That's something instinctual. How much more when it comes to our relationship with God? Our sin against God, our rebellion against him, our, our lack of love, our lack of honoring him and worshiping him, that is something that he cannot overlook. It would not be right. It would not be true to his character and his dignity to just say, no big deal. Something has to be done. The debt has to be paid. But the dilemma is this. We cannot pay it. God cannot overlook it. So what's the solution? The solution is this person, Jesus, perfect man, perfect God. Only God can pay this great debt, and because Jesus is God, he can pay it. We are the ones that ought to pay it. Man ought to pay off this debt, and since Jesus is fully man, he can pay it on our behalf. You see how that works? St. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy 2.5. He, he talks about the uniqueness of, of Jesus. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. One mediator who is God and man, Jesus Christ. Here is how St. Anselm expressed this. St. Anselm was uh, Archbishop of Canterbury in the 11th century, and he's the one that really articulated this view that I'm talking about this morning. But he, he was trying to get at how it is that Jesus' death as the God-man paid for the sins of so many. And listen to what St. Anselm said. He said, the life of Jesus, the life of the God-man was so good and so precious and so exalted that its offering in death outweighed the number and greatness of all sins. The infinite value of the life of Christ outweighed all the sins of the world. So, friends, this is what Jesus has done for you. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid your ransom so you could be free, free from the penalty of sin, which is death, spiritual death and physical death. And I know we've heard this before, but I wonder if there's somebody who needs to receive this afresh again in their life. Maybe there is somebody here who is falling in the trap of thinking that I've got to somehow prove my worth to God. I've got to prove how worthy I am. Maybe there's somebody here who is struggling with the idea of sin and guilt and judgment and appearing before God's judgment. And there's the temptation that I have to somehow work my way to earn the salvation. Remember, Jesus has paid it for you. Jesus has paid it for you. I don't know, have you ever received a gift that was so kind of overwhelming that it was humbling to you? You have to come to a place of humility to receive a gift like this. Remember there was one time in our family when we needed something, our family needed something, but we could not afford to get it. And then somebody came to us and offered this thing that we needed. 
And uh, it was a costly gift. And I remember Josie and I talked about whether or not we should take this because it was such a costly gift. And we were raised as self-sufficient Americans. You, you get what you deserve. You, if, if there's something that you need, you earn your way, and then you finally you get to that place where you can get it. And, and that's good as far as, as it works in the world. But I saw this as we talked about it and we prayed about it. This was a sign of God's grace. This was God's grace using another person to bless us, and it was humbling to receive the gift but we needed it, and it was grace, and that's how, that's how grace works. Grace is humbling, but it's transforming. Grace is life-changing. I mean, grace is how God relates to us, not on the basis of merit, or we could not relate to God. Grace is how God relates to us. Grace is the life of God in us. It is through grace that God interacts with us. It is only by grace. It is only by gift, and that means we're only in this place of receiving in humility. And so maybe there's somebody here today who needs to remember this, to receive this, this price that has been paid for you. And like the woman at the beginning of the story, the place that we come to when we receive this gift is one of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. And then I'm going to live my life in honor of you, in gratitude for all that you have done. My good works don't earn my salvation. They're the fruit of the saving life that you've given to me. So maybe there's somebody here who needs to receive the gift, this ransom payment, in humility and in gratitude. Or remember, remind yourself that that is the way that life has been given to you, through this gift. Receive it, and then rest in it. We need to rest in it. We need to rest in it. We, we can get anxious, constantly anxious, about trying to find our worth and our identity in things other than Christ and the cross of Christ. We can get anxious about finding our worth in um, our work or in our family or in our spouse or our children or in our status or, for someone like me, in our ministry, in the way that we look, in our possessions. We began to look elsewhere other than the cross of Christ for our worth. We get free of that by looking to Jesus, the price that he paid to redeem us, to ransom us. Our value is fixed at the cross. There's a hymn by the Gettys that talk about that. Our ransom has been paid, and our value has been fixed at the cross. When Jesus made this, this claim, when Jesus made this statement, remember the context that he made it in. Uh, he's going to Jerusalem, he's talking to his disciples, and then James and John, incredibly, after he's predicted, Jesus has predicted how he's going to suffer, they start arguing about, you know, maybe I could be the chief of staff and maybe you could be the vice president. Let's go up and ask him about this when he comes in glory. You see, they're still thinking about their significance and worth through the lens of how the world operates. i got to get this status position. And Jesus says, no, you've misunderstood it. Even the Son of Man came to serve. And the ultimate sign of that, the ultimate act of service is the cross of Christ. And this is how greatness happens in the kingdom of God. Not through these positions of high status, but of serving people. Well, what frees us to serve people? 
is knowing that our worth is found at the cross of Christ. That way we're not always looking for people to give us the accolades. That, 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 that way if people do not receive what we do for them in the way that we want them to receive it, we can be free. We can say okay. Or on the flip side, if we are receiving the accolades and, and we are getting positive feedback, if we're not careful, that can turn into pride. and We can become cold and callous towards people. But not if we constantly go back to the cross of Christ. This is where my worth is determined. That frees me up. That frees us up to serve others. So friends, remember this gift, this ransom payment that's been paid for you. Receive it. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't ignore the gift that's been given to you. The grace of God, the love of God, it's, it's there. The ransom's been paid. Don't dishonor the gift by trying to do it on your own. Receive the gift in gratitude. Rest in it. And give him thanks and praise. All your days. The rest of your days. Amen. Lord, we we thank you for this... For this great gift. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. <laughs> we can't express it in words, God. We cannot express it because we do not fully comprehend it, the gift that has been paid for us. And sometimes we have heard it so often that it doesn't affect us the way that it ought to, God. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, inspire us to know the love of God in a deeper way in our life. And I pray, Lord Christ, that this would not be something that simply transforms us and that we can rest secure in. We thank God for that. But, Lord, we pray that we might be moved to share this with others to a world that is lost, to those who... Are, are poor and on the, on the margins of society and don't feel that they have much value, that are overlooked and ignored. Help us to share this message of the cross of Christ and say, no, you, your worth has been established at the cross. This is a life-changing message. And for those who, who are doing well in the eyes of the world, who, who have what the world says you need to have to have worth and value, God, we pray that this message would, would soften their hearts. We could share this message with people so that their hearts could be melted and softened by your love for them, and they would use the gifts and talents that you've given them to serve others for the good of others and for your glory. So fill us afresh with this message as individuals and this church, Lord. Thank you for the ransom that has been paid. Thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.